Rebecca. Um, our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. So please follow along as I read. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles available at the ends of each pew, so feel free to grab one of those and take it home with you if you don't have one. So Luke 4, verses 1 through 15. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Thanks, Beiju. Thank you, Veronica, also for sharing. Uh, Let's clap it up again for uh, her and just the work that God is doing. As we head uh, to the, wow, it is almost 2024. That's tomorrow. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, some of you are probably really glad to see 2023 leaving and 2024 coming, or maybe it was an awesome year for you. I'm not sure. But uh, at the end of 2023, here's what we've been uh, asking each of us to consider uh, here at the well. Uh, we have these cards, and uh, you may have yours with you this morning. If you don't, we've got a whole pile on the back table. Uh, we've been asking uh, each one of us to take some time in prayer to consider what's it look like for me uh, to follow Jesus for the good of the world into 2024, uh, that we would make some commitments uh, of what that would look like and, and how we would live for Christ and follow him together for the good of the world. So uh, there's a couple areas in here we've asked you to pray about and consider in following Jesus, this aspect of, have I been baptized uh, have I followed him in that? You know, is, is faith a new thing for me? Is faith now a vibrant thing for me? Is my relationship with Jesus a new piece of who I am this past year or even years? And have I been baptized then to proclaim that of who Christ is and what he's done in my life? Uh, the second in that first area was spend daily time with Jesus. So we have journals in the back just to have a simple kind of method on how to sit with God in the scriptures and in prayer uh, that we could spend daily time with him to follow him, to know him deeply. The second area was together, doing this together, following Jesus, but doing it together. So uh, an area in that was membership. Uh, Have I uh, considered, is the well my church home for this season of life uh, while I'm here in the D.C. area? And and should you then become a member? So uh, we have uh, uh, conveniently placed a membership class uh, next week for that. Uh, And then also to connect or deepen into a community group. If you're not connected into a group, hey, Uh, Don't live life alone in 2024 so we can help you get connected into a group or go deeper in your relationships in your community group. And then the last is for the good of the world. Is there somebody in particular you want to share the good news with this coming year and there's a spot to write his or her name? And uh, is there uh, kind of an impetus for you to get more engaged locally or internationally this year in mission? And, And you can check that box as well. And then lastly, for all of us, just what would we give generously and financially at the end of the year that we could leverage that for the work of the gospel this coming year in our budget to follow Jesus together for the good of the world? Uh, So uh, if you have your card here filled out, wonderful. Uh, uh, You're at the top of the class. Good job. Uh, If not, you can snag one at the back table before you head out and, and fill out your commitments and drop it in that blue box as you go. Uh, and then uh, you can give online or uh, here in person as well if you've decided to give an end-of-year gift. Uh, what I'd like to do is what we often do is uh, if you're able or willing, uh, would you kneel with me? 
uh, both to pray about those commitments and ask God to speak to you through His Scriptures this morning for His purposes. So first, let's uh, come before Him and... You know, the turn of the year can be a time of praise or a time of uh, sorrow or regret. So uh, just lay these things uh, openly and honestly before our God right now. And, but particularly in it, just praise Him for who He is, even if it's been a time of sorrow that He has carried you or a time of regret that He has showed you grace. Uh, praise Him for who He is now, silently talking to your Father. And now ask for his guidance in your end of your commitments. Uh, what would it look like for you to follow Jesus together for the good of the world into 2024? And lastly, uh, ask him uh, in humility, uh, under him, uh, in submission to him, in love and trust of him, uh, to speak to you this morning out of his scriptures. That he might reveal a bit of himself more to you, that he might transform your thinking or your uh, feelings or your actions, that he might shift who you are by what he says to you in his word this morning. Ask him to speak to you. Oh, Father, thank you for your abundant grace in our lives. Thank you for your sovereignty. You have been with each of us if we know you, love you, and trust you every step of this past year. Thank you for carrying us this past year. Those of us who needed carrying, you carried them. And thank you for pouring your grace and blessing in our lives of things we didn't deserve. You gave us this past year. God, thank you for your love for us, your abundance with us and over us. You, you have been so gracious and kind in so many ways. And God, as we head into 2024, would you, would you align us with your will uh, because of our allegiance to you, because of who you are? Would you help us to walk in step with your spirit? Would you help us to live obedient lives for our own joy? and for your glory and praise in the way we live. God, shape us uh, this morning, even as we think of the beginning of this new year, that we, we might not fall into temptation, but we might uh, live obedient lives which would be full of deep, deep joy and would reveal you with every piece of who we are. Uh, we love you. It is our great joy to serve you and be your sons and daughters together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, make sure you grab a card on your way out. If you don't have yours, fill it out and drop it in that uh, blue bin, and we'll follow up with you on your commitments. Uh, this passage is Luke chapter 4, and this is the beginning of Jesus' um, public ministry. He has just been baptized, and then the first step is for the Holy Spirit to take him into the wilderness to be tempted. He's going to be tempted, and then he's going to head into Galilee and begin his public ministry up north, and then uh, all his way down into Jerusalem. And, and as we uh, look at this passage this morning, uh, here's, what, here's what I want for us. I want us to head into 2024 uh, with new and incremental victories over sin and temptation. I want us to head into 2024 in step with the Spirit of God in allegiance to our Father that we would just have great joy living for Him, loving Him, serving Him, obeying Him with our whole lives. 
And also, uh, even as we look back on this past year or even this morning, that we'd be uh, so covered in His grace that, that we wouldn't be covered in guilt and, and we wouldn't try to obey Him, that we'd be loved by Him more, but we would realize how deeply loved we are, how, how, how greatly forgiven we are, that we could follow Him with freedom and joy and obedience because of who we are in His Son. So we're going to look at uh, this story together of Jesus' temptation at the beginning of his public ministry, uh, and then we'll step back and say, okay, what's the root issue when it comes to temptation and victory and obedience? Uh, and then I want to give us some really kind of tangible tools, of both from the passage and through the scriptures of, man, how do we fight temptation that we can live in the joy of obedience? Uh, so we'll read the story and kind of uh, dance through the story a bit, but then we'll step back and focus on what is the root a uh, question when it comes to temptation and sin and, and obedience and victory, and then some helpful tools from the passage and the scriptures at large. All right, so here's the story. Uh, let's go through it together. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep one as a gift heading into 2024. Uh, we have ESV Bibles uh, in your pews. You can uh, keep one of those as a gift. We're in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. Here's the story of Jesus' temptation at the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. So uh, Jesus has returned from the Jordan. Uh, This is when uh, God, his Father, uh, has looked down on Jesus at his baptism. And the Father has said, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The Father has declared who the Son is at His baptism. This is the Son who was proclaimed to be born in Luke chapter 1 and 2, who is then born in a manger, who is then baptized. This is the Son of God. And the Father looks down and says, That's my Son. With Him I'm well pleased. I love Him. That's before the Son has done anything in terms of ministry. Anything, anything that uh, would, would kind of purchase him a claim before the Father, the Father looks down and says, man, I love that guy. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And we think, well, that is not great. Here I am, a son or daughter of God, led into the wilderness to be tempted and, 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 and God is uh, even doing a work now in His Son, uh, and, and His Son will walk in perfect obedience, and, he, and the Spirit leads Him into the wilderness, and then in the same kind of way, in the power of the Spirit, leads Him out of the wilderness in verse 14, and through this uh, time of temptation, uh, and, and for us in the times of wilderness and temptation and sin that come about in our lives, uh, the way we begin and the way we end in our case will be very different. We'll look back and say, oh, even the Lord by His Spirit was in that. Bringing me in and bringing me out in the power of the Spirit. And in this case, the, the Son is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The slanderer is what the devil means. The, the one who's going to slander who the Son is, who the Father is, and try and tempt Jesus to disobedience and particularly uh, off of His path towards the cross. He's in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during these days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. That's a long time not to eat. 40 days. I ate a lot this past week. Every minute. Every minute I was eating. I mean, if it wasn't sweets here, it was donuts there, it was steak there. It was more and more. And Jesus, for 40 days, he's fasting. And the text, uh, it probably doesn't need to be said, he was hungry. But it's a great reminder that he is both fully God and fully man, the perfect substitute, the one who will be perfectly obedient. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. If you're the Son, if the Father really loves you, uh, would you uh, turn these stones into bread? 
and feed yourself. And Jesus answers, I know the scriptures. And, and, and just as important as eating is, so is the word of my Father. And you, Satan, you the devil, I won't follow your commands or your ways and, and do what you say. Instead, I will always listen to my Father, Jesus says. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to Jesus, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. This one is more obviously and overtly sinful uh, and and disobedient, right? Uh, Satan says, I'm going to give you all authority, all kingdoms, if you would just worship me. And Jesus then answered him, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Right out of Deuteronomy 6, but also Exodus 20, the first command, have the Lord your God is your only God. Have no other idols before Him. And the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set Him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to Him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Man, that would be amazing. Everybody would see it. It'd be so cool. You get the oohs and ahs, for it is written, and the devil twists the Scriptures here. We can often use the Scriptures for our own evil devices. And that has been often the history of many within the church. He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands you will bear up you, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him again with the Scriptures. He knows the Father intimately. He knows His words. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. I know my Father loves me. I know my Father will protect me, says the Son of God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Uh, You can almost picture uh, Satan throwing up his arms, dang it. (laughs) And he leaves him, right, for another opportune time. He has tried to tempt the Son of God, and the Son of God has remained faithful and obedient He knows who he is. He knows who his father is. He knows he need not seek even his own provision or any glory outside of his father's or any acclaim or embrace outside of his father's. Anything that Satan offers, he doesn't need. He already has it in his father. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. It's the story and the history of what has occurred as uh, Satan, the devil, or the slanderer, tried to tempt Jesus. Uh, I want to get now to the root of what's, a, what's a the root, or the root question of temptation or sin. It's a, it's a question of identity. It's a question of relationship with God, uh, uh, knowing who we are and knowing who our God is. Notice over and over again, here's what Satan says. If you are the son of God, if, if he's your father, uh, then go ahead uh, you know, and, and prove it, right? Get the provision you need uh, because certainly he'll provide for you. So go get the bread and the provision you need. Uh, if you're the son of God, are you, are you really the son of God? Is he really? Really, your father? Can you trust him? Does that sound familiar? It's right out of Genesis chapter 3. This is the core question of sin and temptation in your life and my life. It's a question of identity. Are you loved by God the Father? Are you his son? Are you his daughter? Has he provided all that is necessary? In him can you find life and security and peace? Is he good? Is he trustworthy? Can you obey him knowing he is good and trustworthy? This is Satan's schemes when it comes to temptation and to sin. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You can't trust him. Don't you know he's withholding something good from you? Don't you know the happiness you would have if you embraced that relationship with that non-believer? If you were with him or her, you would have what, what God is withholding from you. Don't you know if you just hoarded your money or spent it all on you, man, you would find life and security and satisfaction. He is withholding it from you. If you were loved by God, if God were good and mighty and powerful, then you could have this. He wouldn't withhold that from you. It's the very question of the garden. It's the very pivot point, the root of obedience. Uh, Think about the Ten Commandments for a second. The Ten Commandments are in Exodus chapter 20. This idea of uh, identity, who I am and who my God is, flows then into my obedience of Him. My my allegiance to Him uh, turns into my alignment with His will and His plans. Uh, Because I know who He is, because I know what He's done, because I know what that makes me, who that makes me, that, that then transfers into my trust and obedience in every area of His life and allegiance and alignment to His commands. Uh, Listen to the Ten Commandments commandments exodus chapter 20 god spoke all these words saying i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery he says i your god remember the context Uh, moses has had led god's people out of egypt out of slavery and here the lord says he says i rescued you i gave you life i i gave you a relationship with me i i rescued you out of slavery you can trust me you can obey me my ways are good and then he says in the first commandments you shall have no other god before me the second you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness, right? Uh, Here's what he's saying. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? I'm your good, sovereign father, the Lord says. I've rescued you. I've made you a son or daughter. You can trust me with your obedience. Have no other God before me. Love and worship me alone. When Jesus uh, uh, walks the earth and he he summarizes all the commandments, he says, uh, here's what's of most importance in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. He says, "The, the first and greatest command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. Love Him. Know who He is. Love Him. Embrace Him. Worship Him. Know who you are by His grace. Love Him. And out of this relationship, this knowledge of identity of who He is and who you are because of of this, love will come allegiance and obedience as you love your neighbor. John chapter 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Knowing who our God is, knowing who we are, embracing Him, giving our allegiance to Him, submitting our lives to Him, it's the core, the root of obedience. So every one of these temptations, it's as though Satan and the devil is saying to Jesus, why don't you get for yourself what you already have in your relationship with the Father? Why don't you go get for yourself your provision, right? The first one, bread. Uh, The deeper desire here is uh, you're hungry, provide for yourself. Satan says, go this way, right? Like uh, turn these stones into bread, provide for yourself. If, If you need provision, guess who's responsible? You are. That bank account, keep growing it for your own security and provision, Uh, But here's what's really interesting in our lives. Bread so easily turns into steak, doesn't it? (laughs) It's not just our our security that that we're after other places than the Lord and our temptations, uh, uh, but it's our satisfaction. I I don't just need bread. I need steak (laughs) for my security and for my satisfaction. The deeper thing under that surface level temptation. What's the next one? Kingdoms. 
But what will you live for, Jesus? And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. I'm going to give you all this authority, all this power. You want to have purpose. You want to have power. You want to have a scope of influence. I'll give it to you. You just need to keep ascending. Follow my way. Stop on whoever you need to stomp on to get there because you got to get purpose and power in your life. I see it's below the surface of all the kingdom is is the deeper need for purpose or power. What about this last one? He takes him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Right? Uh, you can imagine a crowd gathering beneath. And, and if you're the Son of God, if this really who you are and who your Father is, then man, leap off and wow, that'll be an amazing moment. You'll get the, the acclaim of all people and, and you'll get the validation of the embrace of all you. Wow, that was amazing. And you'll prove the embrace of your God even in testing Him. Maybe He doesn't love you that much. But if the people are shouting for you, if he rescues you in that moment, then you'll know, oh, wow, man, I've got that validation, the embrace that I long for. It's not an issue of bread. It's not an issue of all the kingdoms or the the temple moments, the deeper things that are the temptation through our lives and what Satan himself is trying to tempt Jesus with. Are you, really, are you really the son? Is he really your father? Is he good? Are you his? Will he provide for you the security, the provision, the satisfaction, the acclaim, the embrace that you long for? Or do you need to find it here or there? The son knows who he is. It's never a question for him. The son knows who his father is. It's never a question for him. Uh, One time uh, in John chapter 6, this crowd gathers and they're like, we want to make you king, Jesus, right? You're you're amazing. And Jesus is like, nope. And he slips his way through and he spends his whole life in obscurity and serving and loving and caring for others in step with his father's will. Uh, There's another time when uh, Jesus is best friend abandons him and it must have been a temptation to say oh man i gotta go a different way i'm so lonely maybe, maybe this isn't way the the father has for me and and peter goes off and he disowns him and and jesus finds himself you know, in this garden alone even as his friends sleep nearby and he says father is there any other way to do this and then he's arrested. And you, you better believe Jesus you know, was, was tempted in a way to say, hey, I could, I, could, I could bring down the angels, legions of them from heaven and do this a different way and then just tear you guys up by my power and my might. But then in obedience, he takes another step of humility in the way the Father had laid before him towards the cross. An absolute obedience from his temptation on in his whole life, he walks obediently to the cross. And it's it's fully man and fully God. In absolute perfection. He hangs on the cross in our place. And then He resurrects to newness of life. To make us sons and daughters. To free us from our temptations. To to, to prove to us that, that He is worthy of our love. Worthy of our allegiance. Worthy of our obedience. We saw it on the cross. We see it in His resurrection. We say, you are worthy. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know who I am because of your grace. And anything that Satan or my flesh or the world's ways lay before me, man, they can't give me who you are and what you've done. So we need to go deeper into the places that the Lord just immediately goes. He knows He's the Son. He knows who His Father is. But we need to go deeper. What is tempting us in these moments? Where where am I seeking something else that I, I have in relationship with the living God already? And where do I need to be reminded of who I am? as his son or as his daughter. That, that's the, the root of our, our, our temptation is that we are, are seeking uh, the deeper things of our identity and life in other places. And then that's the, the power of our obedience is to remember who we are by grace. Uh, but this is uh, typically what we do, right? In sin or temptation, you know, we, 
We're angry or we're anxious or we lie again or we exaggerate the truth or we avoid conflict again and it hurts a relationship again or, or all these different sins or temptations that keep hitting us in our lives. And here's what we do. We, we cry, oh man, I can't believe I did this again. Oh my, or we try harder. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrange my schedule different. I'm going to do this or that different. I'm going to try better, right? I'm going to do more. Or we confess it. Lord, I'm so sorry I did this again. Please help me not to do it again. Right? We run from it. We get, we get away from that thing or, or whatever. And then we say, now I'm going to obey. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm going to take better, better care of my body and my relationships. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat my money differently. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do better. I'm going to try harder. When, when temptation comes, I'm going to say no. Uh, but we are not going deep enough into who we are. This is the core question of our temptations and who our God is. Uh, here's where we need to do this with the why. First, the why in our sin and temptation. The first thing we need to ask is why is this tempting for me? Why is this sin showing itself again in my life? If I am lying, is it in order to exaggerate so that people would give me praise and I would be validated? If I am uh, overspending my money, is it because I'm seeking some sort of satisfaction in these possessions that I can only find in the Lord? If I'm oversaving my money, is it because I'm trying to uh, erect this security in my life that I ought to be seeking from the Lord? If I'm anxious about my kids or angry about my kids' lives, is it because I'm seeking something from them that I only ought to be seeking from the Lord? Uh, what is hitting me in this sin area or temptation area and going beneath it? It's not about the bread, right? It's about will you be your own provider or is the Lord your provider? It's not about the acclaim of falling off the, the temple. It's about uh, will I get my validation and embrace from my God or from others? It's not even, I'll say it this way, about just obeying the command, but realizing He's the one who's rescued me out of sin and death. And I will serve Him. It's going deeper to knowing He is our security. He is our identity. He is our purpose. He's everything. And then going deeper into who we are by grace, right? So let's take, uh, let's take an easy one with uh, security, right? Uh, if I save enough, then I'll be secure. Well, here's the bad news of the gospel. You'll never feel secure. No matter how much you have, no matter what you've done, no matter how much I've accrued, I'll never feel secure. It's not enough. And then when it feels like enough, the, the market will tank, <laughs> And it's almost as though the Lord is tapping me on the shoulder saying, your security is not found there. Oh, but it's in my job. It's me getting my daily bread through what I do. And then the Lord removes your job. And he reminds us, I'm your security, right? The bad news is you'll never be secure. Actually, when you stand before the Holy God, we are completely insecure. We have nothing to stand on in our own sinfulness and rebellion. But then there's good news, amazing news, great news, the best news you ever heard. You're so secure in who Christ is and what He's done. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're embraced by grace. He holds you now and has all eternity secure for you. That's what's waiting. Oh my God, that is good news. And then there's a deeper why for our obedience. There's a deeper why for our obedience. We can obey knowing we have a God whom we can love and trust. When it comes to our money, back to that example, we can say, man, I can give freely. I, I could save as much as I want and I'll never be secure. I can spend as much as I want and I'll never be satisfied. But if I give freely knowing my Lord is my security, my satisfaction, I'll be both. Right? It's an obedience of who our God is, who we are because of His grace that transforms us to live in absolute obedience to Him. And then when we stumble again, we go back to the truth. Oh man, who am I? Who is my God? And walk again in obedience and grace. All right, let's get into some of the uh, tangibles, the practicals, the tools of what does this look like then in our life to walk in obedience into 2024 for uh, deeper joys and, and, and greater revelation of who our God is through our lives. And, and by the way, this uh, diagram, a part of it, we've tweaked it over time uh, here at the church, but uh, comes out of this book, The Gospel-Centered Life. 
just a really wonderful book. It's one of the first three curriculums that we say, hey, do this within your 3Ds. Uh, so if you've not done this in your 3Ds, we say, hey, do it. It's wonderful. It's going to help you kind of get to the root of temptations, obedience, sin, and following Jesus by grace and enjoy. All right, so uh, some tools. Uh, first, right out of uh, the text in Luke chapter 4. How do we go about uh, living in victory and obedience uh, because of God's grace and who we are and who he is? Uh, the first is uh, all through Luke chapter 4, here's what we see in Jesus' life as he's being tempted by the devil. The first is he's full of the Spirit, says it a couple times, at the beginning of the passage and then again at the end after he is fully obedient on his way out. Uh, see, uh, the, the moment of temptation is not when you win against temptation, the moment of temptation is not when you win against temptation. It's, it's the life of intimacy with the Lord, being full of the Spirit, knowing who He is, being in relationship with Him, knowing who we are and knowing who He is. Uh, and the next thing we see in the past, He's, he's nothing. He, Jesus is fasting and He's praying over this 40-day period. And I think sometimes we would picture Jesus like this. Uh, uh, the devil is coming into the picture and Jesus is like, oh, I'm so weak. And the devil's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to get him. I, I think it's probably more like this. Dang, I'm really hungry. But I know deeply and intimately who my father is. He's been praying and fasting for 40 days. He's in the, the might. Uh, well, he's the son of God. Barry. He's in the might and the knowledge of who he is as the son of God. He's been talking and listening to his father for these 40 days intimately. And then over and over again, we see it is written. It is written, it is written against every temptation that Satan provides, uh, even in the twisting of scriptures in Deuteronomy, uh, Jesus answers with, no, actually, I know my father because I've listened to his words over and over again. It is written. So he knows the father so deeply because he knows the scriptures, he knows the father's words. Uh, remember our card at the beginning, uh, one of our first commitments was to spend daily time with Jesus. Uh, we provided these journals in the back. We have a whole pile of them in just a very simple way uh, to get into the Scriptures and to pray. And maybe you need some guidance in it, and this is just a simple way to say, man, how do we get to know the Father deeply and intimately that when uh, the, the pathway of temptation or sin arises, we would know our Father so intimately and stay in step with Him and His Spirit, knowing His words, knowing who He is. Uh, one of the uh, most helpful books for me in this process of, of kind of rhythming and, and patterning my life, uh, life over uh, this idea of getting to know Jesus intimately has been this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Uh, this is a, a, a book that has helped me kind of step back and say, okay, what's it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus uh, in fasting and simplicity and in prayer and in scriptures it, in a really kind of poignant and simple way? I mean, it, when you read the book, the texts are like huge. It's like he did this in size 15 because <laughs> he wanted us to do this <sighs> and slow down and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him in the scriptures. And know him in fasting and simplicity and prayer. It's got a great uh, podcast as well. It's helpful for intimate relationship with the Lord and the scriptures and fasting and in prayer. Uh, temptation uh, is not overcome or won in the moment. It is overcome day in and day out in the intimate relationship that we have with our Father. Uh, that's tool number one. Uh, tool number two is this. Uh, this is from other places in the scripture. It's confession. Uh, in confession, it's the verse we just read out of uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Uh, we are to confess our sins to our God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, see, in confession and in sin, here's what we realize, uh, uh, that we're not covered in our own guilt any longer. Because what will happen in, in sin and temptation is that uh, we, we will be covered in our guilt in this place of, oh, woe is me, and we'll keep going in the spiral of disobedience. But confession uh, is a, a place where we sit before our God and we confess uh, what we have done or not done or things we thought or th uh, things that have motivated our lives in sinful ways. And we lay it honestly before our God. 
And he says this, I love you and I've forgiven you. You're righteous and you're pure. Uh, it's like when I, I say to my son or my daughters, uh, it happened a couple times this week, hey, uh, you need uh, to ask for forgiveness for what you did on that. And, and, and they, when, when they, you know, first they're called, I forgive you, you forgive me for what? For, for what? For what? I don't know. That's it first, you know. But then when it starts to sink in a little bit and they, they do realize, oh, shoot, I was really disrespectful or I did this or I did actually really hurt my sister with that. And they come with actual repentance. And they're coming to the heart of the Father at that moment. I've already forgiven him. I love him deeply. And I say, hey, you are forgiven. We're in relationship. We didn't sever this relationship. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. But that's that moment of honesty, of realizing, wow, my, my sin has been paid for when we come before the Father. While I am loved, while he has uh, made me blameless and pure, and, he, and we're embraced in this honest relationship, we are known and we are loved. Confession to God and confession to others. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another and be healed. James 5.16 why does that happen? Well, because when you come to another, the one you've wronged, uh, or when you come and bring any sin just from your own personal life, uh, you bring it before him or her and you say, man, this is where I've been sinning or I am sinful or I've wronged you. And what you realize in that moment, if you can say it out loud, here's what you believe. It's finished. It's paid for. His, his sacrifice is actually sufficient because I can tell you about it honestly and openly and transparently. If you can't tell others about your sin, you do not believe it's fully paid for. If you can't tell others about your sin, you don't believe it's fully paid for. But when you tell others about it, you proclaim, oh, I'm forgiven. It's paid for. It's done. And then what, what they can do is they can remind you of that truth too. You are forgiven. You are embraced. Look, if someone comes and confesses their sin to you, don't, don't slap on more condemnation or, okay, here's what we do to get this fixed. First, remind them of their forgiveness that they're a son or daughter and that you also embrace them. And then not only can they remind you of the gospel, they can walk with you in it now that it's out in the open. Either sin between you and another or sin in your own life. Confess to God and confess to others. Uh, the next tool is, uh, it's more of a mindset, an awareness of take sin seriously. In John chapter 10, uh, Jesus will say, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan is here to do in Jesus' life and in your life and in my life. Or our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, says in James. Satan is after devouring you. The verb there is to swallow you and me up. To gulp us into death. To, to steal everything that brings joy and life and happiness and peace and real security and real identity. He wants to rip it out of your life. And Jesus takes sin seriously too. And a little bit later in Luke chapter 17, he's going to say, hey, look, everyone's going to be tempted. Oh, man, but if you bring sin and temptation on these little ones, and he's talking to these children, he says it'd be better if you had hung a millstone, a huge giant rock around your neck, and you were thrown into the ocean. And you say, well, okay. <laughs> Jesus takes it seriously too. Uh, so James chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 13 and following, puts it like this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do you see the progression? Sin grows out of this small temptation, which then leads to sin, and sin leads to death death so all this through the scriptures you see things like look look kill it right kill sin right uh, run away from it get the heck out of there or, or cut it off lop it off it's if it's causing you to sin right uh, jesus and god take sin very seriously why it leads to death if you have sin or temptation in your life what you're also seeing around that sin and temptation is death it starts small a friend of mine was looking at stuff he shouldn't have looked at. He never confessed it. That slowly grew into relationships where were inappropriate. And that slowly grew into disaster and death and destruction. 
kill it when it's small. See, sin and temptation promises life and delivers death. Obedience sometimes looks like or feels like death, but it produces life. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, uh, flee, run from sexual immorality. Like that's uh, another uh, piece of this. Like, hey, take it seriously. Like, uh, kill it when it's small, but run. Get the heck out of there. Like, don't even try and fight that sexual temptation. Just run. Just get out of the house. Get out of that relationship. End it. Just get the heck out of Dodge. Why? So you can create space to remember who you are as a son or daughter and be embraced by the one who brings life. Run, kill it, run, and cut it off. Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking and he, uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 27, he says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it's far better to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Do you see how seriously God takes sin? Because it leads to death. Cut it off. Uh, here's a problem uh, for many of us. Uh, this thing has become an appendage to our body. Like an arm or a leg or your heart. And for some of you, it's creating uh, lust or anger or anxiety. And so the more you go to it, the more anxious you become as your, your feeds get more and more anxiety producing. What you need to do is cut it off. Or they make you more and more angry. You read about this or that person or this or that camp or this or that a political persuasion. And all you do is become more angry. You need to cut it off. Or over and over again, uh, this picture leads to that video and this and that, and you need to cut it off. It leads to death. Last tool, uh, uh, avoid uh, disobedience, certainly, but uh, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. So pursue obedience. The best defense is a good offense. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. It's like, hey, get after what is good, right? Or Matthew chapter 5, you know, talks about, oh man, don't murder. But then he backs up and says, but actually don't even be angry. Then he backs up and says, actually seek reconciliation with others. And then Jesus will also say, hey, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? Like a, a good uh, offense is sometimes our best defense, right? Like get after obedience and, and taste the joys of real obedience to the Lord. And though sometimes it feels like death or looks like death, it brings life and joy in deeper ways. Or Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it, it, the whole passage is about, hey, give to the needy, right? And uh, don't serve two masters. Like don't have all your treasures here on earth where you, you spend all your money to satisfy yourself in these treasures. And, and then uh, he says uh, later in Matthew chapter 6, he says, uh, man, you've got to remember the lilies of the field. Like they, they have everything, a security that maybe you'll never have, a beauty you'll never have. Why? Because they've, uh, they've trusted in the Lord with their resources, right? So all through Matthew, here's what he's saying in chapter 6, give like crazy, because in giving and generosity, you realize, man, the Lord is my provider. I'm secure. Man, the Lord is my satisfaction. I'm satisfied. Just like the lilies of the field. Wow, they're so dressed nice. And, and just like uh, laying up my treasures in heaven, I have real treasures in the Lord. And so these are some of the tools that the scriptures produce uh, for us to fight temptation and walk in obedience. Now, uh, here's what may happen. Uh, in your life, you might say, okay, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get after this, right? Like, I'm going to cut this off. I'm going to kill that. I'm going to run from that. I'm going to repattern my life to read the Scriptures more. I'm going to do, 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 do. I'm going to get after this. Now, the first piece of what we need to do is fight the battle of believing. Are you really a son? Are you really a daughter of God? Does He really give everything that is necessary for security? and purpose, and identity, and peace? Is, is he really that good? Is he really that mighty? The first thing we need to do is come before 
our Father and remember who we are as sons and daughters because of the life and the work, the death, the resurrection of His Son. The passage ends in a really interesting place. Satan, you know, throws up his hands and goes, uh, until uh, an opportune time. Because uh, Satan had tried to uh, tempt Jesus away from the path that the Lord had put him on. And, and then this opportune time arises in Luke chapter 22. The next time we see Satan explicitly in the book of Luke. Luke 22 verse 3. Satan, now at this opportune time, entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. They were glad and agreed to give Judas some money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. And you and I became sons and daughters Because the one who had no sin became sin for us. Because the one who is tempted in every way, just like we are, he, Jesus, remained without sin. That you and I could become sons and daughters of the Most High King. That in Jesus' life, in his death, and his resurrection, we could be given the absolute obedience that Jesus walked out all the way to the cross. That though we are sinful, though we are rebellious, we are embraced as sons and daughters of God. Are you a son? Yeah. Are you a daughter? Yes. Is your father your security, your purpose, your peace, your identity? Yes, he is. So come before the son now, and I would say begin the battle of fighting sin and temptation through belief. Confess areas you've fallen short this past week, this past year. Specifically, even the deep motive behind Him. It wasn't the bread you were seeking, but the, the security that you thought you could attain through this or that. Confess the deeper things, and then confess also what is true of you before your Father, that you are a son, that you are a daughter, and be embraced by His grace and His love, that you might be compelled to a new obedience in 2024. And when you're ready, uh, take and eat a reminder of who you are in Christ if you have trusted in Him. If you've not trusted in Him, would you, would you embrace His Son this morning? Would you pray and receive the forgiveness that he offers you? Would you pray and receive the fact that you are a son or daughter by grace? Would you receive the son who is tempted yet without sin? Take and eat when you're ready.